Hello, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 7. Yes, this is going to be a general type catch-up episode where we will be talking about a bunch of things in general. We will also have a spoiler-filled review of issue 37 of Green Lantern. It'll take slightly less time than our other Green Lantern reviews to this point. Hopefully. Although, the first time we set out to review an issue, we're like, alright, this'll take maybe 15 minutes, and it took about an hour. <laughs> At least. This will be more laid back, it'll be fine. Yes, this is our, our loose episode. So, hey, we just uh, finished the New York Comic Con. Yes, we did. And you and I met in person for the first time. For the very first time. You're kind of ugly. <laughs> oh my god, screw you! <laughs> well, never, never making that mistake again. <laughs> oh man. You're a jerk. Yeah, try and replace me. <laughs> oh, I think I, we've already got a couple of uh, possibilities. Shut up. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, we went to the uh, New York Comic Con, and um, what did you think of the con? I liked it. This was, I think this was the second one I went to. This is their fourth, right? This was their fourth and my fourth. Oh, you've been all four years? Yes. How's that been? Like, have you noticed it getting better over time, or has it been more consistent? Um, I would say that the first year was absolute chaos. The second year... It was a lot better. Um, between the third year and the fourth year, like I, I think it probably got a little bit better this this year, but it's very similar to last year. So I think they're they're starting to find their rhythm. I just I loved it. It was so weird. Like I'm used to the con being so far away that I was standing there in it, and part of me was still waiting for the con to start, you know? It's like, I'm so used to it not being yet, and now there it is, and part of me doesn't believe it. Due to a lot of financial constraints that I've been up against lately, I wasn't sure that I was actually going to be able to go up until, like, two or three days before the con actually happened. Then there was that whole got hit by a car thing. Yeah, yeah, there was that. That doesn't help. But I got better, and I had some money, so I was able to go. Did you see that thing I posted on our forum of the uh, dramatic reenactment of oh, our accident? with Truck? Yeah, I just, just scanned the page from Green Lantern Corps where Truck just walks over Jon Stewart and goes away. Yeah. Yeah, that's not exactly how it happens. <laughs> Shut up. That's what you're going to tell the insurance company, and that's the end of it. <laughs> yes, it was a, a Green Lantern villain that caused my car accident, officer. This soccer mom just, like, just, like, transformed into this minivan monster and just walked over my face. I've seen that happen before. Yeah, what, what's unbelievable about that? They they write you a check right there. So, so did you get any sketches at the con, Dan? I got one from, oh, what was his name? Shane Davis. Shane Davis. I really, I really forgot his name. <laughs> <in the moment. laughs> I thought you were being dramatic. 
No, I wasn't being dry. I, just, I, I blanked on his name. I got a sketch from Shane Davis after you pointed me towards him. I had already gotten a uh, sketch from him at that point. I was surprised you went for, uh, you got the cat. The way cool, awesome rage cat. Yeah, I mean, the way that you talk it up, I kind of had to get Rage Cat. Because, like, the other thing that I was thinking about was if I got anybody else from Shane Davis, like, what kind of detail would I be getting since it was just a free sketch? Picture how many people must be asking him for, like, Atrocitus and how much that much suck over and over. Well, I mean, he also does a really good uh, Lara, the cover to Green Lantern 37. That wasn't hit by him, though. The issue wasn't him, but he definitely did the cover. Oh, yeah, it's got his signature. Okay. Well, he's been doing the covers for the Rage of the Red Lantern arc. Part of me felt a little sorry for Shane Davis, just because you could see how he kind of wanted the line to start to dwindle, but there was absolutely no sign of it. The guy looked tired. He was doing some really amazing sketches. Yeah. It was cool, too, because the people right in front of me was, um, it was a, it was a guy in, I'm gonna say his late 30s or something, and he had his little kid with him. And he got the kid got a Batman sketch, and that was awesome. Cause those are, I think either Shane or the guy next to him. I forget what artist was next to him, but it said like, ah, oh, here's one, here's one of the most important fans, cause he was a kid at the con. It's a nice sentiment. Well, it was Shane Davis, the artist, and the guy next to him was the writer on Batman and Superman. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right, cause he did. Uh, he was on that book too. I forgot. You met Ivan Rice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And that's ha- that is how you say his last name. Wait, I've been wrong. Uh, is it Ivan Rice or Ivan Reese? I don't remember anymore. So we've only eliminated one possibility, is what you're telling me. <laughs> all, all we all we know now is that it's not Reyes. Ivan Reese, Ivan Rice. <sighs> I I'm gonna call, I'm gonna go with Ivan Reese. All right, we'll go with Ivan Reese. If it's wrong, it's on you because you talked to him. <laughs> let's uh, let's discuss the promotional materials we came up with for the convention. You mean the stuff you threw together the night before the convention? <laughs> yeah. Once I realized that I was going to be going to the convention, I said, "Okay, well, let's make up some stuff to hand out." So I thought Dan was also going to make up some CDs. I almost did. Thanks for that. That's appreciated. Well, I was going to make up some CDs, but I didn't have any. And I figured, eh, I'll get to Walmart or something before the con. The con's forever away. And then it just kind of didn't happen. Luckily for us, though, like two nights before the convention, I designed a business card for us, which had a giant glaring typo. Yeah, you spelled your name well, right. Well, maybe if your last name was easier to spell. What's hard to spell when, like, 60% of the letters rhyme? <laughs> it's fine. It's perfectly easy. I, I just want to make a point of saying to everybody out there listening to the Lantern Cast that I sent a picture of this business card over to Dan to review. And he thought it looked absolutely fine. And then when I finally did catch the mistake, well, actually, it wasn't even me. It was my fiance, who doesn't even do the podcast, but she knows that your name was wrong. How does she know how my last name is spelled? I actually have no idea. I think probably because she's seen it in iTunes, because your name is listed on there. So, yeah, so 
she realized that your name was spelled wrong, and I emailed you letting you know that, uh-oh, it's too late, you know, the con is tomorrow, but I accidentally printed up 100 business cards, and your last name is wrong on all of them. It's missing a K. And you're like, my name doesn't have a second K. <laughs> all right. Now, in my defense, we never actually communicate in any form unless it is after, like, 10 o'clock <laughs> This at night. is true. <laughs> Even right now, it's dark out. It's taken us, like, two hours to get to this point. <laughs> I was so dead tired when I first saw the card, and then when I reacted to the card, I didn't know what was... Like, you could have started my last name with a U, and I wouldn't have been like... I've been like, what are you talking about? D-U, those are my initials. <laughs> D-U. <laughs> so, anyway, we had the business cards printed up, even though there was a typo, and I made up a bunch of CDs. A bunch of CDs? You made five. I made up ten CDs. And I actually gave them a fairly professional look with the LightScribe device in my laptop where you can actually inscribe like an image on the other side. So we have these 10 fairly professional looking CDs with all of our podcasts on them. And my goal was to give them out to creators and people that have worked on Green Lantern to try and get some interviews for the podcast. I still say you should have stood up in the DC Universe panel and just winged one at Jeff Johns. What's the worst that could have happened? That would have been a good idea, but you did not tell me that at the time. You could have run back in the room. If you had given me that idea, I probably would have done it. I'm crazy like that. I know what Jeff Johns looks like. I don't, you know, I don't believe <laughs> you know what anybody looks like. Because we were walking through the DC booth, and I'm like, hey, there goes Dan Tadillo. And you're like, that's not Dan Tadillo. He doesn't wear a baseball cap. That's stupid. And... Then we get into the panel. There he is. Listen, I don't know what Dan DiDio looks like because Dan DiDio does not write a Green Lantern comic book. Jeff Johns, on the other hand, I know what Jeff Johns looks like. Yeah, Dan DiDio's face is like all over the internet all the time. I did, I'd never saw a picture of Jeff Johns or Jeff Johns in person until like three days ago. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Um, yeah, so... I got to meet Ivan Reese, and his sketch list was already filled up, but I was able to give him a CD of our episodes, and it was it was pretty funny because I said, Ivan Reese, it's very nice to meet you. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan, and I do a Green Lantern podcast. Here's a disc of all of our, our episodes. And he looks at me with a enthusiastic yet blank look and then he looks at his translator and the translator explains everything that i just said and he looks and ivan reese looks at me and very very nice and very happy he says thank you this is for me thank you very much um but it doesn't look like he's that fluent with english so i don't know how good our chances are of actually getting an interview with him but i thought mm -hmm. that was funny we got to meet Shane Davis, and Shane Davis was awesome. Um, we got to find out that the evil cat, the hate cat, Dexstar, is actually based on yes. his own cat. Yeah, which is which saddens me, because 
cat hasn't shown up in the last like two three issues or however many issues has been since the rage of the red lanterns i figured that's just because they're saving them for something or he'll show up there's going to be a group shots or whatever but now now you got me thinking that since it's based on his cat maybe since he's not drawing the book anymore it won't show up again and that makes me hurt inside i think that's probably why we have not seen dexter lately i will not we will <laughs> not stand for this everyone listening both of you <laughs> write your congressman or something and <laughs> demand the hey don't explain it don't explain what you're talking about in your letter i want to hear this on the news okay i i want the i want the damn cat all right <laughs> cats are awesome hate cat is awesome and he's in space he's got the little bleeding from the mouth thing going but you know there's probably pills for that moving right along <laughs> um i got to speak to ron mars now i have to make a point of clarifying something backpedaling backpedal dan and i have both like gone on record <laughs> as not being big fans of the most recent ion series and to be perfectly honest, the end of the Green Lantern Kyle run, I didn't think it was that great either. I thought it was kind of like, you know, all yeah. over the place kind of thing. Yeah, it was kind of... It wasn't a great wrap-up for Kyle, I don't think. It was definitely... It was a lot weaker than the stories it came off of. So, yeah, while it may seem that we are very harsh towards Ron Mars, I mean, we never actually made a point of saying, like, how much his beginning stuff on the Kyle run was so influential to us and us getting into Green Lantern. So when I got to meet Ron Mars, you know, I made a point of telling him that, that, you know, it's because of his writing that, you know, I got into Green Lantern. And I gave him a CD of our episodes. Which I don't know is the best idea, considering how we kind of bad-mouthed him in the past. But, um, yeah, just wanted to let everybody know that, you know, we, we were fans of Ron Mars at one point, And we'd like to, we would like to, you know, talk to him in the future about what happened with the Ion series and the end of the Kyle run. Depending on how much of the Ion series was editorially driven, he might agree with us. Although, I will say just to throw my two cents in there that you know say what you will about where he ended up with kyle but no like regardless of anything that came after it i'll always defend his first year or two on the book because that was just absolutely solid stuff right there so ron mars has an open invitation to come on our podcast he has an open invitation to like like replace one of us if he wants to <laughs> he can come on our episodes he can come on the lantern cast and badmouth us or call us out or pimp witchblade whatever he can answer every single question with huh that's interesting you know what's great about top cow over there we don't I'll go for that i haven't i haven't actually read any of his top cow work of you no i want to get that that intro witchblade thing that's like what is it 10 bucks for the trade yeah it's like this it's supposed to be really good yeah. too. i hear a lot of good things about it let's see i spoke to Oh man, now I can't remember his name. Who uh oh, Philip Tan. I spoke to Philip Tan. I also got a sketch from him. Oh, what'd you get? He's uh he's the guy who's designing all of the orange lanterns. One of the cute little adorable orange lantern sketches that 
has shown up on Newsarama. Is it the um? Is it the dude that's just like the face? Yeah, the one that looks like a Pokemon. I love that thing. I want to plush. I'll be posting up all my sketches on the website hopefully soon. Yeah, that's something we're gonna start doing. We're gonna start putting all of our Green Lantern and Lantern related sketches up. One more reason to check out lanterncast.com. Yeah, so now we're up to two. <laughs> uh. Let's see. Other sketches that I got. I got a an Aresia from Tim Seeley. And I got a Green Arrow as Green Lantern from Mike Norton. I got a, a Miri Star Sapphire from Patrick Gleason. Oh, nice. Was he an Artist Alley? Or he was, was he? an Artist Alley, um, but he was also sketching free at the DC booth later on. You know, I feel, this is the worst part about the con for me, is that after the fact, I become aware of all this, the amazing stuff I yeah. did not find. Because I was kind of doing the tour guide thing for the people I brought, I I only got to make one pass through Aris Alley and almost no one I wanted to see was there at that moment. I I didn't get to spend nearly enough time in the podcast arena. Uh, I know we missed at least one guy. I think it was uh, Ziggo on the forum was like, was posting about how he missed us. Well, that he was dressed as Two-Face on Sunday. I'm almost positive that he was also there on Saturday. But he wasn't dressed as Two-Face that day. Yeah. So we missed out seeing him. And I was listening to some other podcasts doing their wrap-ups. And apparently there was like a $5 hardcover stand somewhere in, in there. In Podcast Alley? No, not in Podcast Alley. Oh. Just like throughout the con somewhere. Like where they were selling e- trades and hardcovers for 5 bucks, And that's in the budget. Yeah, no. I there's, there's, There was no way that I was going to get to see everything in the con. So I just made it a point of hanging around the DC booth for most of the day, just getting free sketches. I think next time around, I'm just making no plans. I'm probably not going to do any panels. I'm just going to just drift around as I see fit and just find whatever. I, th- I think that's that's how you got to play these shows. Because if you try to plan it too much, you're going to miss everything. I think to a point, it does pay to do a little bit of planning. like. If there's somebody that you really want to get a sketch of, then, you know, either try and contact that person before the convention or, like, make it a point of getting over to that person, like, you know, absolutely the first thing at the beginning of the convention. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, other than, obviously, if you want artwork, right. you should knock that out first thing. Well, the other thing was, on my way to Artist Alley... I stopped and got the schedule of who was going to be signing at the DC booth. And then, like, you know, that set me up for the whole day. That was that was really a worthwhile thing to stop at, if you like sketches for free. And I do. Yeah. Yeah, if you had not gone to Shane Davis when I told you to, do you think you would have gotten any sketches that day? Probably not. But it kind of balanced out, because when I got home that night, I, um... Do you know... Juan Castro on the forum. I had commissioned him to do an Alan Scott, and it showed up. It was waiting for me on my bed when I got home. I saw that, and that is that's a fantastic piece of art. Yeah. Now I forget he Juan did the inks. I forget the name of the guy who penciled it. I don't think he's on the oh. forum, which is why I don't remember. Uh, I want to say Matthew something, but I'm probably uh, his wrong. his black cat. Oh my god, that thing is amazing. It's it's so gorgeous. I think he does this thing where he'll like he'll print out 
an existing artist sketch of a character and he'll print it out like on Bristleboard or something and then he'll watercolor over it which and it yields some pretty good results I mean if you go to the comicforums.com and just search for the a member named Juan Castro Juan spelled J-U-A-N and you'll find a few threads about him selling his artwork and it's definitely something you should take advantage of if you like kick-ass paintings and you know, it just occurred to me that I can like scan in a commission that I've gotten in the past and have him, re- you know, paint over it. That would be awesome. True. That touches on something that I had been wondering for a while now. Whereas, you know, obviously you go to a convention or something, you'll find a penciler right. and they're doing sketches. I had, oh, I've been curious about: Are there any inkers that go to cons for the purpose of just like, and would they? Like, if you presented them with a pencil sketch done by someone else, could you say, hey, can I get you to ink this? Yeah, I have not had that done myself. Although I know, because I have a sketch done by Rodney Ramos, who he did the inks on the Ion storyline back in Green Lantern. And he also did inks on an issue of Green Lantern Corps. I think he might have actually done a few issues of Green Lantern Corps. But he's also, like, a good artist in his own right. Um, So I just got a sketch from him. But you can bring pencil sketches to different, you know, inkers, and they will ink the final product. I might, because I got a headshot of a uh, way cool, awesome Rage Cat, and that's it's a pencil sketch, so that might be something I want. That's something I might do next time around. So you would actually commission the inker to do that then? I mean, yeah, you know, because I don't know I like because I mean, and this is not knocking Shane Davis at all, especially considering it was a freak sketch, but it's. When, you, when it's put next to my, the rest of my sketch collection, it has this unfinished quality to it that, you know, it would be worth it right. to me to get it inked. I understand. Also, I think, was it Maury Hollowell, the colorist? He'll, he'll color yeah. things for you, too. I mean, his watercolors are, oh my god, amazing. You know, he was a super show last year. He was at episode 300 as well, and I think he painted a... I think he painted Buzz's Dark Phoenix. I believe Buzz drew Dark Phoenix on the jam piece, and I believe Maury colored it in. No, no, it wasn't Phoenix. It was, uh, I'm surprised you don't remember this. It was that uh, Teen Lantern from that Legion issue. Huh? Do you remember? Oh, wait, are you talking about episode 300? Oh, I'm talking about the Super Show. I didn't get to see the uh, Super Show one. Oh, speaking of it, did you, uh, did you see the thread or did you hear yet that they are moving the super show to march 2010 gives me more time to work on stuff yeah at first i was i hated it but every day since then i was like oh my god <laughs> please move it back please move it back because i'm i have a project i'm working on I'm, it's not going to be done in time unless they move it back and they moved it back so now i have basically a full year more than a year so we've gone off on like a complete super tangent now yeah all right let's just say you know new york comic-con was awesome just a couple of quick little things. They had a a prop replica for Green Lantern fans. Uh, should be in the next previews magazine. It's a ring prop. It actually has one ring from all the different cores, including the black ring. It's in like a snow globe. The glass is probably removable so that you could access them. And if, if not, it's definitely smashable. I already told my fiance Lauren that this is what I want for Christmas. 
should be out around October, and the price is two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, well then I would like to tell your fiance Lauren that is what I want for Christmas. In addition to that, we got to see the new action figures for Blackest Night. We've seen pictures of these online already, and in person they look fantastic. Detail I wanted to point out was um Saint Walker, the Blue Lantern. The first time he showed up, he looked like he did not have a tail coming out of his head. And the second time he showed up, he did. And the figure has the tail, but it's angled so that... Actually, I spoke to Shane Davis about that. And I asked him how come you couldn't see it in the last page and it shows up in the next episode of the next issue of Green Lantern. And he said that it didn't show up on the reference sheet. So it was probably added in later. But the way that it was drawn, it could go either way. So Yeah, you know, the way... I mean, I I personally believe it was a redesign, because I mean, yeah, if you look at Saint Walker in the Rage special, and then you look at him in issue thirty five, thirty five or thirty six, yeah, it it almost looks like you're looking at a different character, because I mean, in the first in the first time you see him, I know it's it's just a difference in art styles, but he looks almost like he looks more monsterish. And then when Ivan Reese 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 <laughs> when Ivan Reese draws him, it's he's much more like rounded off, and his like stitched the stitched quality to his face is much less pronounced. It's it's almost like they went to him and said, "All right, you have to friendly up this guy a little bit." I took a look at issue twenty five Green Lantern issue twenty five today, and you could see Saint Walker clearly in that picture. And you do not see the tail at all. Although his head is slightly turned, so I guess you can kind of justify that it might have been there. You just can't see it. But it definitely was not, like, designed there. And out of all the Green Lantern toys you saw, the one toy you tried to buy was, like, He-Man. Well, those Black Lantern figures weren't on sale yet. Oh, and something that you noticed, the Indigo Lantern figure... Has no ring. Yep. Yeah, because they're they're carrying around their battery or something with them on those staffs. Although there was a ring for the Indigo Core in the ring prop, so. True. That could just be for the set. Um, We went to the DC Universe panel, and we found out that the Blue Lanterns, to be a Blue Lantern, there's actually two sacrifices. Yeah, and I think uh, John said that we're going to find that out next issue, issue 38, which, I don't know, you're probably read already by... Nah, I think, well, it'll be out soon. Okay, so, yes, that basically sums up our New York Comic Con news. Can't wait for the next one. And then we have over a year. But I'm glad that it's going to be in October. It'll be worth it. It'll be, it was worth the wait this year, it'll be worth the wait next year. Okay, Dan, you want to do some emails? Okay, who are we going to email? Silly. The people that emailed us. Why would someone be that bored? Alright, so we got a letter from Stephen King, and until corrected, we're both going to go under the assumption that this is Stephen King, the author. He says, I love the theory on the orange ring bearer, only one at a time due to the nature of of the emotion. But if that is the case, then Hector Hammond can't possibly be a ring bearer. It has to be... Mine, 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 Daffy Duck. I just need to address this. How could Daffy Duck be an orange lantern when he was already in a green lantern? Well, 
Lara was a Green Lantern and she became a Red Lantern. Ah, uh, touche. Yeah, see, there's precedent. You don't still know the Daffy Duck Oath, do you? <laughs> oh, God. In brightest day, in darkest night, cantaloupe, watermelon, yada, 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 erm. <laughs> God. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Um. Oh, God. It's, it's something <laughs> you said every day at school. What? With liberty and justice for all. No, no, there was something in between there. I don't know. Cheeseburger. Okay, hold it. Now I have to get no. it. Hold it. No, it won't be as funny now. Well, we'll just edit it. Fine. <laughs> yeah, you forget who's editing this. Maybe I'll edit this oh, one. No, you won't. You're too. I'm editing all this out. Damn it. I'm telling Stephen King. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Okay. And actually, his oath was: in blackest day or brightest night, watermelon, cantaloupe, yada yada, um, superstitious and cowardly lot, with liberty and justice for oh, all. There's a little Batman in there. All right. I love that. Superstitious and cowardly lot. Yeah. So, Stephen King, our friend, the novelist, goes on to say, here's another note for you on the Heil white power. And he's talking about the, the popular white lantern theory. Uh, black is death, destruction. Would not the opposite be creation? And what better person than an artist like Kyle to be the spokesmodel for creation? Which... I love That's that. That's a very good point. Definitely. I am I'm very curious at this point to see if if the whole white lantern thing actually happens because yes it's it's super obvious but so far it's been nothing but fan speculation. There's been absolutely no hints whatsoever from creators or in interviews or on the page. Well, there hasn't been any overt like clues. But they kind of imply that the colors are going to have to work together to overcome the black. Yeah. And as far as, you know, what I would see, if the colors are going to work together, and if all of them are shining their rings at the same point, it's all, you know, different colored light, you would think that they would merge to create some sort of white light to, to defeat the black. I don't know if that necessarily translates into, like, a white lantern wearing a white ring or anything like that, though. Well, I don't know. We'll we'll have to wait and see, but that's what I'm expecting. And also to make a note of it, my fiance, who does not read Green Lantern, I explained to her the whole concept of the different color cores and what they stand does for. Does she still want to marry you? Yes, actually, she does still want to marry mm, me. Weird. But after I was all done explaining this to her, a day later, she comes to me. And she's like, so if you have all of these different color cores and they have to fight, you know, the black core, does that mean they're going to get together and create like a white core also? So, I mean, I have to think that if somebody that's never actually read Green Lantern and just got the basic gist of it, and then they also come up with the concept of a white lantern, I think it's almost, it's such a natural concept 
that for them to come up with that I think we will see it. Yeah, but part of me thinks it's too obvious. I mean, because the one thing that I've noticed about Jeff John's writing pretty much in everything that he's done is that he'll hit you with ideas that will surprise you and leave you thinking, oh, of course, why the hell didn't I think of that? It's, it's so obvious. I should have thought of it. And here's a conclusion that everyone is arriving at all on their own based on almost nothing. So it's, it almost seems to me like he would go in a different direction. Yeah, I understand what you're trying to say, but I'm still thinking there's going to be I will a White this, Lantern. If there is a White Lantern, I think there will be some kind of twist on it. Like, maybe it's not going to be a person. Maybe, maybe all seven of the entities are going to merge or something. Or merge and join into one Maybe lantern. it's going to be the Rage Kitty. Yeah, I really doubt that. Shut up! I need this! Okay, so we got any more emails? One here from from Steve McCoy. Hey guys, just wanted to say I that I dig the show and look forward to the progress of each episode. As a huge GL fan, it's awesome to have a GL-centric podcast discussing my favorite character. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. We like you. <laughs> we like feedback like that. And that's it. That's the extent of people that like us for as of this episode. Awesome. Yeah, so. What else do we have to talk about? While you're thinking about that, let me just point out how cool our forum members are. Because they're starting to help us out with stuff we forget. Remember when we talked about... Uh, I don't remember. But <laughs> a few episodes ago, we couldn't remember where Guy went to college. And it was bugging the hell out of us because it's... Their sticker was on his battery, and we were pretty sure he kept yelling, Go Wolverine. It was Michigan, right? The University of Michigan, as highlighted by JD74 on the forum. So thank you, JD. Awesome. Oh, we actually got one other email. Um, is, it, just from... is it the one telling us that iTunes kicked us off? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, if, yeah, if, um... you're, if you're having trouble... Hearing our episode on iTunes, Jim is fixing it. <laughs> yes, I'm working on that one. Uh, no, just from David Selig. Um, just wants to let us know that he loves the show and that he's a big fan. Hmm. I missed that one. Yes, you did. I guess I don't like David that much. I don't know. Uh... Well, yeah, I, I appreciate you as a listener, David, so don't pay attention to Dan. Don't you listen to him. All right, none of you mean anything compared to Stephen King in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King. Yeah. Well, it is pretty awesome that Stephen King's a listener. You know what's horrible, and I'm a horrible person for it. What? I keep in my mind, I keep confusing Stephen King for Stephen Hawking. Oh, and, God. and in my head, I'm hearing the, his letters like read in like that voice. That makes you a bad I person. I think it does. <sighs> oh boy. So what else we got? <laughs> And we have not even gotten to Green Lantern yet. <laughs> Par for the course. Okay, so let's get into Green Lantern 37, our spoiler-filled review. Yes, and we're going to keep this one short. We're not going to go in page by page. Or... What would you think? You know, one of my favorite things about the Blue Lanterns is all of the little religious Easter eggs involved in here. And, like, there's some stuff that's obvious, like like when St. Walker and Worth show up on... Um, you small Saint Walker hits some yellow lanterns with some energy that looks like lightning. Okay, so that's like the whole God striking down people thing. But then later in the issue, he's flying towards Hal, 
and he's flying across like there's a river of blood and he uses his ring to literally part the Red Sea. <laughs> I thought that was just a nice little touch. And again, it's nothing they just hit you over the head with. Uh, that's a good catch. Something that I noticed is that like they're trying to get Hal to be the next Blue Lantern. Well, if you think about the parallels to that one, they say that they're like the saints of the universe. If you think about it, Hal Jordan has been dead and he's come back to life. Oh, yeah. He's, very, he's their Jesus. He's their Jesus. Well, they said that they want him to, to lead them as the Blue Lantern Corps. So, just another little religious Easter egg, yeah. And I forget, was it you that said that you think um, Worth is going to die? I think that he almost has to. They're definitely setting this up like the Blue Lanterns don't live that long. Or something to that effect. Like, they burn the brightest, but a candle that burns brightest, you know, burns out pretty soon. And maybe he'll be almost cannon fodder to show us what the price of being a Blue Lantern is. Right. And also, he is nowhere to be found in Green Lantern 25. True. So, I mean, I like Worth. I just, I think that he's going to die soon. Now, the big thing in this issue is it ends with Hal getting taken by a red ring, and you get this shot of him as a red lantern. Now, how do you see... I guess two questions. How do you see him coming out of it, and how long do you think he'll be like this? I I think it probably can't last that long. I think it'll be resolved next issue. I don't think it'll be like, okay, first couple pages and it's over. Well, we know that the ring replaces your heart. So while he has the green, lan- the, the green ring on also right now, that, that's probably what's saving him from, you know, giving in completely to the red yeah, ring. It's whole like, I mean, look how big a deal has been made about its life support abilities in the past. Right. So I think that if they don't get the ring off fast then it is going to take over his heart, and then he will have to depend on it. But then again, it could be that Worth is going to give his life to wash the red completely out of Hal so that he can then join the Blue Lanterns. Yeah, maybe maybe Worth's ring will go to Hal. Maybe. Maybe, like, that sacrifice... They know that Hal Jordan will be that much more powerful as a Blue Lantern, and it's so necessary for that to happen that they will have to sacrifice their own lives so that he can become a Blue Lantern. I don't know. I didn't expect them to kill Lara. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it, although I guess it makes sense because... (sighs) I mean, obviously she's going to be a Black Lantern. Yeah, it's almost a foregone conclusion. I don't know that she necessarily worked that well as a Red Lantern. Well, I mean, it made sense for why they made her that. But, I mean, it's such a departure from her character. Yeah, I mean, like, not that it's... Not not really a departure, because she did fly off the handle. But, like, that was always part of her character, that she would fly off the handle, but she could keep it in check to get the job done. I don't think we've seen her... I mean, she had to deal with her father becoming a supervillain back in the day and everything, but we haven't right. seen 
her lose someone who's that important to her, like right in front of her face, see them die, and then go to his home and see his family killed. I could understand why she was just boiling over. Mm. I just hope they don't go too overboard with the the color jumping. Because, I mean, that's something that if they do it every now and then, it could be cool, but if, if everybody's... Because, I mean, Lara's gone from green to red to now presumably black. And, right. you know, we think that Jon Stewart's going to go to Indigo and Hal's going from green to red to green to blue, probably, to green. But he also had a yellow ring. Oh, back in the, the Sinestro War. Right. He was able to use the ring for a short amount of time, Barely. yeah. But yeah, I don't want to see them make that like the cliche thing of this story. I don't I don't think that it would really be a cliche thing because it shows their emotional variability. I mean, especially for the Earth characters where they make a point like they they've repeatedly made a point of how the Earth is filled with so many emotions that any any earth person could really be in any core basically yeah i don't know i just have fears of it turning into too much of a gimmick i don't want to see it like you know every week somebody switches colors but i mean like the other thing that we have to take into account is that these different color cores are just you know starting to get set up so i mean if in a few months somebody switches cores That'll be cool to see because, oh, well, you know what? It turns out I fit better over there. And I think you'll also definitely run into the fact where somebody thinks that the grass is greener in another, you know, core and then decide, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm better off in the Green Lanterns. I am glad that we got to see the, Sinestro, the squad of Sinestro Corps show up and kick a little ass because I think at this point in the story, we needed a reminder that. You know, these guys are dangerous, and you should still be afraid. Because, I mean, at least in my mind, the Red Lanterns have kind, of, have kind of, like, eclipsed them in the danger department. So, seeing a group of of Yellow Lanterns show up and just start tearing up everything, I think they needed to do that. Well, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Oh, and they, uh, I'm looking at that page, they named the, remember the guy who's the big face that was eating people that I liked. Oh, yes. The guy that was an offshoot of the other guy's yeah, race. Yeah, Gallius Zed. He was a Green Lantern. He was, he's just a head with arms and legs. It's great. They, yes, they gave him yes. a name. It's uh, Zilius Zox. <laughs> yes. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss character. It's great. It's like they're all named very similar. Yeah, maybe it was his neighbor or mailman. There you go. Now, we we can't stop talking about this issue without talking about the prophecy. The prophecy? Well, not so much prophecy, but Atrocitus's prediction for Hal. Oh, 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 oh. Where Hal will become a renegade once more. Yeah. And it's got this awesome shot of Hal, presumably on Oa, just tearing up the Guardians. There's one guardian that's on fire. He's shooting another in the chest. He's being shot at by two more. And it's just 
Ugh. And it's this whole reverse psychology thing of, is Atrocitus trying to make Hal not rebel against the Guardians because that would strengthen the core if the Guardians weren't calling the shots anymore? Or was this a straight up, this is what you're going to do and it will mess up everything? Well, the thing that I don't understand is, like, how could a member of the Lantern Corps cause that much havoc among the Guardians? Well, just look at it's it comes down to their inaction. I mean Emerald Twilight, he Cal killed all of the Guardians because they wouldn't do anything to stop him. Well, yeah, but I mean it's not like he was fighting them because they weren't fighting back. Like he just absorbed all the energy and they just like gave up and died. Whereas with this, you know, like they're actively, you know, fighting him. They're like shooting him with energy. Now, what you know, it doesn't make sense to me that if they control the ring, then they would just be able to like suck the energy out of it. So the thing that you have to think about with that is one, either it's not a Green Lantern ring. Ooh. That's a possibility. Um you know, it may be that he becomes a white lantern and he's shooting white energy at them. Because you can't really tell what color yeah, the energy the, the is there. Is kind of tinted. So that's one possibility. Or, and I think that this is, you know, the, the the better possibility is that he's not getting his energy from the Green Lantern core. That maybe he's somehow figured out a way to just collect willpower the way that the Blue Lanterns collect hope and power the ring through his own willpower. Which I think, yeah, like, that's that's probably what they're leaning towards, the way the Guardians are creating all these rules. Yeah, the core figures out how to do it on their own. Right. Huh. Well, what, what were you thinking with that one? I don't know. I really, like, I didn't think into it to that extent. It just doesn't make sense. Like, it's, it's the same thing with the Fantastic Four 2 movie. The whole concept of the Silver Surfer being able to take on Galactus. It doesn't make any sense, considering that Galactus created Silver Surfer, and he can take away his powers at any time. Although, if if you look at that movie, there is like an Easter egg in there that says maybe it wasn't Galactus. Right before the Surfer like sacrifices himself, quote unquote, there he's in the middle of that big storm, and you can kind of see off in the distance, kind of the shape of Galactus's head. So maybe this is just like a probe or something Galactus sent. I don't know, but whatever. Going back to <laughs> going back to Green Lantern, like, would you? Because I mean, I'd be inter- interested to see the Green Lantern Corps get on its feet without the Guardians and see what that ends up being like. But at the same time, I don't want to see the Guardians completely go away. I would like to have them in the universe in some capacity still, because I think they're a really cool concept. I agree. I I actually agree on both counts because. I think that the Green Lantern Corps is getting to a point where they they don't actually really need the Guardians, especially with these laws. They just they're making it unbearable for a human to be a Green Lantern. Yeah. Like they might as well just have Manhunter robots back again because it's it's just not you know it's not feasible. Yeah, and hell, like between the creation of the Alpha Lanterns and all of the laws they're imposing to try and restrict basically the humanity quote-unquote of their core it's like they're trying to make their 
living agents, flesh and blood equivalent of Manhunters anyway. Yeah. It's like, we want all the benefits of having free-willed living beings be our soldiers, but without any of that love and hope and free will and thoughts. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> then you also have to wonder, like you were saying, is this a prophecy of things that actually will happen? Or is this just atrocities trying to get into Hal's brain to make him think that this is a definite prophecy? Because if you look at it, the other two prophecies he, we've seen him tell so far have been lies. Because, <laughs> I mean, oh, I, actually, I forget what he told Evan, sir. But Sinestro's, he said, like, you know what? Your, your world is going to descend into chaos and there's nothing you can do about it. And... Sinestro acted on that, assuming it would be true, and got screwed up because of it. We don't... Actually, well, we don't actually know that that, that happened that way, because it could be that Sinestro had already subjugated his people, mm. and maybe he went a little extra crazy, but, you know, after he got kicked out, it was no longer under his rule, and... Technically, it did become more chaotic only because it wasn't being, like, ruled by complete, you know, order under Sinestro's hand. I don't know. I got the impression that Sinestro's ruling with an iron fist started after Atrocitus gave him that vision. Yeah, I don't know. Well, no, probably not because the Guardians, when they sent him to Hal, didn't they make a point of saying that he was, like, the best one and his sector was the most orderly i don't remember and then like when it ended hal jordan was going to go to Korrigar to train with sinestro and as we've seen in the past you know storylines not that this is definitely how they're going to be going but when hal goes to visit Korrigar, that's when he sees how sinestro acts with an iron fist and the guardians find out from that I mean, how long does it really take to enslave a planet with an iron fist? I mean, come on. Well, I mean, the fact that they would want to rebel the people, it would have to have been for quite a while. Atrocitus wasn't foretelling a rebellion necessarily. He was just saying that the whole planet was going to descend into chaos. Well, right, yes. But his people, like, well, okay, the whole problem with this is we don't know exactly how the old continuity matches up with new continuity. Like, if things are going similar to the way they went in Emerald Dawn 2, then Sinestro had been subjugating his people for years and years and years. Like, well before he ever met Hal Jordan. And if you merge that with the new continuity, it would be well before he met Atrocitus. So, I don't know. They do make reference in here a few pages earlier to the event of Hal and the Corps coming to Korrigar and busting up Sinestro's reign, but it doesn't really inform this. Well, wasn't Atrocitus' uh, prophecy for Abin Sir that his ring would fail him at like the time that he was going to need it the most? Yeah, something like that, which ended up being Abin Sir failing his ring, but... Right, yeah. Oh well. Anything else you want to say about this issue? Oh, um, let's see. Um, I thought it was important to note, now I'm looking at it, that uh, I guess since their hearts don't beat anymore, Red Lanterns don't show up on life sign scans. 
Oh, wow. That's a good catch. It actually makes them a lot more dangerous when you think about it. Unless you're looking at them, you won't know they're there. <laughs> you know, it just this whole thing just leads me to want to see a lot more of Sinestro, which is weird for me because I usually don't like the the uh, arch enemy that's the evil version of the hero. But I still think he's going to be just as important to this as Hal is. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what the prophecies are saying. Not just the Red Lantern prophecies, but now the blue people also. I think it's interesting that there's that guy from the uh, Sinestro Corps that almost looks like he's a robotic offshoot of the Anti-Monitor. I know what you mean. I don't think he looks like the Anti-Monitor, though. I think he it's not... Yeah, he doesn't look like the Anti-Monitor, but it does look somewhat similar in design. Mm, you're crazy. I don't know. I think he was inspired by that. Mm, I think you should go back to the hospital after your car accident. That's what I think. I think it's interesting that Hal Jordan was able to get through to Lara for a second. Yeah. I, I guess they're like, they're kind of forecasting that he will come back from it, from uh, being possessed by the Red Ring. Or, or it could mean that she'll become a Black Lantern, and there's a chance that Hal will be able to get through to her again then. Although, then you have to wonder, will she even want to come back? Because... If she's a Black Lantern, then there's always the chance that she could be together again with Kihan, also as a Black Lantern. Oh, those two are totally going to show up together. Lara, Kihan, and Pa Kent all just hanging out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that's it for this issue. Oh, well, oh, actually, there is one more thing I wanted to say about this issue. Okay. It's Rage of the Red Lanterns, and it's a Faces of Evil issue. And the faces of evil is Lara. Now, I don't necessarily understand the whole point of that. What? Why was this a faces of evil? She has, like, maybe a page or two, possibly three pages. I don't know. I, I mean, after seeing that she dies, I assumed that it was because we're not going to see her again for a, for a while. Yeah, but I, I just, like, my point is I don't see why that had to be like a Faces of Evil, you know, big thing where they spotlight her. Uh, they're just putting a villain on every cover of everything. Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. You want to, um, you want to just save Legion of Three Worlds until, like, the whole thing is done and then we can talk about it? Because, like, there's, there's only a couple pages of Green Lantern stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just, we'll, we'll make a, a quick note of saying that, you know, Green Lantern has a presence in Legion of Three Worlds. This way we don't have to spoil it. Yeah. No, this is... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Green Lantern fan, and even if you're not that big of a Legion fan, because quite personally, like, I've never been that much into the Legion. Yeah. I've liked the concept. I've, I've tried to get into various series, but never really lasted that long. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, if you're a Green Lantern fan, then this is definitely something that you'll want to pick up. Yeah, it's Jeff Johns, it's George Perez, it is making sense of pretty much entire Legion history, and it is giving us some cool foreshadowing to the possible future of the Green Lantern Corps. Yes. And we'll leave it at that for a little while. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's up to issue 3 of 5. Issue 5 should come out just in time for the 2010 New York Comic Con. <laughs> now this will be out in a couple of months. I think, I think they said April. 
will be the last issue. Okay. So somewhere around then, yeah, we'll do a review. Um, but yeah, I just want to emphasize, if you're a Green Lantern fan, then definitely be checking this out. And get the sliver covers, because honestly, I like them better. Yeah, I go with the other covers. Okay, so do you want to do a quick talk about Origins and Omens? I'm not sure what all I can talk about here. All right, well, update everybody. I think I can't remember if it was on air or not, but a while ago you said you were going to buy all of the Origin and Omen back backup issues because you are just that much of a completist. And how have you been doing? Okay, so far I have picked up all of the Origins and Omens issues that have come out. How many is that? Um. I think we're up to maybe seven or eight or so. How many of these are books that you don't normally buy, though? Uh, I would say most of them. I don't pick up a lot of comics lately. Um, I would probably... I would pick up Adventure Comics number zero anyway. You know, I, I've been reading the, the Superman books, so that that's something that I have been reading. But, like, Titans and Nightwing, that stuff I don't usually pick up. Is this Titans, Titans, or Teen Titans? Oh no, regular Titans. Oh jeez, you, you took one for the team right there. Well, like, it's interesting because I have to say that the stories before the Origins and Omens has been fairly accessible. I read the Secret Six issue first, and I last read Secret Six when they had the miniseries that was leading into Infinite Crisis, and I love that, but since then I haven't really been able to get into it. So... Just picking up this issue six of Secret Six. The issue is pretty entertaining. It looks like some of the characters in the issue may have died, although they may get better. I'm not really sure about that one. Um, so that may be setting stuff up for you know Black Lanterns later on. But then we have the Origin and Obens backup where we have the character Scar, the Scarred Guardian. And she basically just gives a brief little history of what happens, you know, to bring them together, the Secret Six. And, you know, things like they might have to look out for in the future. It, it's very vague what is going to happen. Um, Listeners are going to want to know, is this, like, are these origin omens, are, are they necessarily Green Lantern related? Like, is this something you would recommend everybody go out and get because they need to have this piece before moving into the Blackest Night? Uh, okay, with Secret Six, I don't say it, no. With Adventure Comics, um, I don't know, should I spoil this one? Yeah, you may as well. I, I, even I know who it is. Spoilers? <laughs> if Spoiler for Adventure Comics number it, zero. It involves... Yeah the identity of another Black Lantern. Let's say that. So. Yes. Most likely. Well, most likely. Um, and what it says is, uh, I'll just read the last page. No, there is another Luther will have control over, but he is dead, and we control the dead. For once I bear witness to the Book of the Black, and I question what it shows me. The dead will save you, Lex Luthor, from Brainiac, from Superman, and from yourself. And there's a giant picture of Connor Kent. Superboy who died in Infinite Crisis. Which was also written by Jeff Johns. So that would seem to heavily imply that this Superboy will be coming back as a Black Lantern. 
I mean that that one that issue's only a dollar, so that one's kind of worth picking up. Um, I read the Titans one, and that doesn't really seem to have any any effect on Green Lantern related whatnot. I actually I just read the Green Lantern Core issue issue thirty three. And obviously that backup seems to have a lot more to do with the whole Black Lantern core. And, and if you're, I mean, if you're a Green Lantern fan and you're looking forward to Blackest Night, you're probably reading Green Lantern and Green Lantern core anyway already. But I guess the, the main point is that the, I don't know if you want to call them ancillary titles that have origin elements in them, it's more centric to those specific books than it is to Blackest Night. I mean, that's... As far as we know. Yeah. There is one that I didn't really get a chance to look through yet. The uh, I'm not sure if it's Action Comics or Superman, the one that just came out. It's got a backup having to do with the Guardian. Uh, the, the Manhattan Guardian with the gold shield. Right. Well, the Metropolis oh, yeah, Guardian. That yeah. Um, that one might have a little bit to do with Blackest Night. Why do you say that? Should I spoil yes, it? you should. Okay. Well, spoilers for... Whatever book that is. Yeah, we're not going to tell you. Um, it's basically him, like, because I, I didn't actually read it, I just flipped through, but he is cradling his dead cloned daughter. Ooh. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of thing I expected out of Origin Omens, where it's like, I, I expected every one of them to be, here's a little bit about this character's history and the people that have died in their history, who will probably show up again. We'll see. I mean, I'll, I'll keep on picking them up. This was my my challenge to myself that I would pick up all the origins and omens. Do we know how many there are altogether? I don't think there were more than 20. There were less than 20. So we're probably almost halfway with them now. I will laugh if they put out like an origin and omens collection. I don't really see that happening. Yeah, they still haven't collected those backup things from 52 and Countdown yet. <laughs> yeah, well... It was really worth it with 52. Countdown, not so much. Well, the, I mean, with, like, the bios and everything. Oh, oh the bios and Countdown. Yeah, yeah those, those those were yeah, worth you it. you took the, the bios from 52 and the ones from Countdown, you could almost, like, put together a new who's who of the DC Universe kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and the art on those was really good. Okay, so we got Origins and Omens out of the way. The, uh, the intro to Green Lantern, Ah, uh, yes, a little something that we set up. God knows when, and we just kind of let it get away from us. Pretty much. Uh, you want to kick it off? Okay. Um, not really sure where we left off last time. We looked, but we can't find it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're assuming that that actually did make it into an episode. Um, back in the beginning, there were a couple of episodes that were recorded, which never actually saw the light of day. We had to re-record some stuff. So, hopefully we didn't just imagine recording these. Um... And, um, you know what, it, just in case we, we never did, um, let's just give shout-outs to Paul and Koete. Is that how you say that, Koete? That's how I'm going to say it. K-O-E-T-E. I think that's the host of the Amazing Spider cast. Um, and we'll start with Corwin, whose intro was Green Lantern number 25, the final part of the Sinestro Corps storyline. I was so intrigued by the idea of different cores I went back and collected all of John's run and corresponding Green Lantern Corps. We got uh we have we move on to our, our most enthusiastic listener to date, the Darth Knight. He says I always knew who he was, but I never was too interested. 
I heard a lot of good things on CGS and decided to give it a try. Started with Rebirth and I went through the Sinestro Core War Volume Two. I am way hooked. I am looking forward to listening to the Lantern Cast too to find out what I've missed thus far. Thanks, gentlemen. I really do appreciate your time and effort, Jason. Awesome. He's got a nice. Uh, I think his avatar is, I assume, him and his daughter. I figure. Yeah, it is nice. He looks very angry, but it's a nice little picture. <laughs> Uh, next up, we have Devin Rodriguez, and um, we have the Bruce Tim Animated Universe cartoons. That's it, besides Hal Jordan in All-Star Batman. Oh, man. As I listen... Go on, go on. Go on. Oh, oh, God. I, did, I, I actually just realized yeah, that. Just finish his thing, and then we'll... <laughs> As I listen to your podcast, I'll be taking from a newbie's point of view. Which is good. I mean, it's... It's cool that we're going to be helping people inexperienced or who have no history with Green Lantern get caught up. But, uh, yeah, All-Star Batman. <laughs> For those who haven't read it, uh, <laughs> All-Star Batman is a book written by Frank Miller, drawn by Jim Lee, where Frank Miller kind of... Alright, what, what happens is... Uh, the the Justice League, or I don't even know if they're the Justice League in this series. They're just like the heroes, dudes. Yeah, the heroes are getting together. Like, all right, this Batman guy, he's freaking out everybody. We somebody got got has got to go talk to him. And Green Lantern goes, and Batman, being the overprepared guy he is, paints not only the entire room. This goes back to the gold face thing. <laughs> paints not just the entire room he's in yellow but he paints himself yellow head to toe his costume his skin everything paints his sidekick yellow and then hal just walks in the room he's like uh dude what the hell and then batman no robin just beats the crap out of hal oh man that, that's quite the intro to green lantern yeah seriously I can't believe he's still listening. Okay, let, 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 let's let's just move on. <laughs> You're up next. Oh wait, did you read the last one? Yeah, you did. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I forgot. Now we have Melville's Fist, who, unless I'm mistaken, oh no, I'm not, because it's right there. Who is Adam Umack of the Legion of Dudes podcast? Hey guys, I saw Rebirth as a great starting point. So I jumped on board with the Green Lantern madness and have since gone backwards and forwards with past and present storylines. I really felt that Rebirth was as sweet as it gets. Proof positive that there was a Flash Rebirth coming out, no? I'd also toss in Hal's appearances in Challenge of the Super Friends as a key trigger for my willingness to jump into the Green Lantern mythos. I'm also going to point out that Melville's Fist, Adam, also runs the Green Lantern thread over in the Comic Geek Speak forum and he he's constantly updating that with all the pertinent information yeah, green lantern green lantern core report i think okay next up we have deadpool i got a green lantern comic from my cousin it was the one with kyle in the future teaming up with the legion number 198 well he says 198 but i think it was actually just number 98 yeah and he has a star underneath that actually side note just found the second part of this story in a 50% bin the other day. Yeah, yeah, 98 and 99 were when he uh, went into the future. I like that story. 
back when Daryl Banks was drawing, I miss seeing his stuff. Wonder what happened to him. Daryl Banks. You don't remember him? No, I do remember. I wasn't he. Uh, didn't he start out the Kyle run? Yeah, he's like. I think he's the one who like visually created Kyle. Next we have King Lockhart. I became a GL fan for various reasons, but I started on Rebirth like a lot of people. I've collected a bunch of trades since, but I am mainly only interested in current Green Lantern title and some Green Lantern core. I've collected all of John's run and the Sinestro core books in Green Lantern core, plus some one-shots pertaining to Green Lantern. I heart Hal Jordan. He's my boy. <laughs> you hear that, everybody? He's taken. Okay. Let's see. Next up, we got uh, Ian Clifford. Morrison's JLA run got me in DC and thereby Green Lantern. I genuinely like Kyle, but after his treatment in Hitman's local hero storyline, I'll always feel a little bit sorry for him. Green Lantern was a book of passing interest to me. However, John's run has got me into Green Lantern big time. Yeah, I didn't really appreciate that Hitman uh, appearance. I never read it. Um, yeah. Heard, somebody somebody <laughs> told me what was in it, but I don't remember. Yeah, let's just move on. Um, <laughs> how do you pronounce this one? C.T. Owner? Katoner? I, I would say C-Towner 1. Oh, all right. <laughs> Be all <laughs> obvious about it. I, you know, it's it's always odd how you you read some people's screen names. Yeah, this is this goes back to the whole alien name thing. Like, I never think about it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, right. that's what that looks like. Okay, I, I like how we're firmly establishing we cannot pronounce fictional alien names, internet forum screen names, or <laughs> real people's names in real life. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Anyway, C. Towner 1 says, Not positive that it was the very first Green Lantern I read, but it was definitely my favorite slash the one that made the first impact on me. And it was the, um, he put up the cover that's now classic of Hal talking to a black man who's saying, you know, you help people with orange skin, people with blue skin, what about us people with black skin? And this is when it was Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and it was really pushing to be a socially relevant book and he goes on to say it reprints green lanterns number 76 by denny o'neill and neil adams but in black and white with the pages chopped up to fit smaller format oh that sucks that's weird yeah i wasn't big on the i really wasn't big on the green lantern green arrow series it was too much let's use the characters as mouthpieces yeah i haven't actually gotten a chance to really uh you know go back and read those yet i mean they i was tempted because i haven't read all of them and i was tempted to get the two trays of it they put out but at the same time i'm like i don't really wanna i don't know <laughs> i imagine i will eventually but yeah yeah no at some point I'll, I'll definitely check them out. As as certified lanternologists, I think it's our duty. It's the cross we bear. We must read Green Lantern comics. Sigh. <laughs> right, you're up. Uh, oh, yeah, this is, uh, the next one is Ian Clifford explaining what happened in uh, the Hitman story. So I'm going to skip ahead to Gotham Knight, uh, whose intro was the Super Friends from the 70s on Saturday mornings and JLI launch with Guy Gardner. When I read that, I misread launch. And I'm like, what the hell is JLI launch? What? Was that <laughs> kinda, what? Did he read them at lunchtime? I don't understand. I can't read. 
why am I why am I a big comic fan? <laughs> I, I obviously <laughs> can't read the words on the page. You need to uh, read more comics, and you could start with the Green Lantern, Green oh, Arrow yeah. ones. That'll help. No, I think it helps me a lot that now Green Lantern is color coded. Uh, you want to end with uh, Ziggo? Let's end with Ziggo. Let's end with the fan that we did not get to meet. All right, Ziggo right. came on board with Green Lantern Rebirth, and says, "I know, I know, I'm a late bloomer," which. As far as I'm concerned, that just means you have more stuff to read. Uh, Rebirth was a great jumping-on point. Um, Ziggo, obviously, not the first person to jump on with Rebirth. It still surprises me, though, because, I mean, I probably said this before, but it, when it was coming out, I felt, as as someone who had been reading Green Lantern for, like, a decade, I felt, finally, they're making a miniseries tailored towards me. And it's still fascinates me that people who have never read Green Lantern before are jumping on there and getting hooked because it's like being bombarded with answers before you even knew what the questions were well I think DC like promoted the hell out of that as like a huge jumping on point for Green Lantern like this was going to change everything and if you had never you know been following Green Lantern before like jump on now and you know we'll will bring you all up to speed. I, I'd love to hear somebody that read that and said, like, what the hell is this garbage? And, you know, never read Green Lantern Actually, again. Well, there's, you know what? Instead of ending there, there's one I want to jump ahead to then. Let me just change the page here. Uh, loading, loading, loading. Let's see. Blah. No. We have more of these than I remembered. <laughs> I'll just make a note as we're uh, waiting for you to find the post that you're looking for. I'm just looking at some of uh, Big Raj's photos of his toy collection. I imagine you just wetting yourself over these things. Oh my god, drool. It's just like drool. It's so cool looking. Right, I... He has an awesome collection. Alright, I found it. It's actually the very last one. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's by... I think Mino? M-E-N-O? I started heavily reading comics about three years ago. And so while I try to catch up on as much of the older stuff as I can, I have to admit that my first foray into Green Lantern was Rebirth. I also have to admit that Rebirth confused the heck out of me, and I thought it was a stupid comic. So there are everyone who disagreed with me. <laughs> uh, a year later, wiser and more well-versed in the DCU, mostly through more since JLA run, which I will always defend as being some of the best JLA stories ever written, not to mention my favorite run of that title. I jumped back into Green Lantern when Sinestro Corps was, War started. I began with special, loved it, went back to read Jeff Johns' run, loved it, finally, and finally reread Rebirth, which I liked so much that I had to buy the trade. I was reading my comics mostly through the help of friends and, and bookstore lurking. I'm a poor college student, spare me some slack. Green Lantern is definitely my favorite DC title now, and has been since Sinestro Corps War. There are some other titles out there that I might consider to rival GL, but when it comes right down to it, I would choose Green Lantern over any other DC title if I were forced to read only one DC book for the rest of my life. Batman and Superman will always have a special place in my heart, along with Blue Beetle, the JSA, the Flashes, Checkmate, and the dozen of other great books, but I do love me some GL. The Green Lantern Oath is one of the very few things that can give me chills every time I read. So there. Confusing <laughs> to a new reader. Okay, fine. You win. Although, you know, 
it it works differently for everybody. So I always recommend these days to that if you want to start reading Green Lantern, buy Rebirth, and buy Secret Origin, and read them in whatever order you want, and you can just go from there. I think Secret Origin is that that's a really good jumping on point because you don't have to know anything about Green Lantern and it gives you the whole origin. But um, like the first trade, was it No Fear? Yes. That one was. I, I think that one gave a pretty decent, uh, like like a quick origin type thing of Green Lantern. Yeah, that also. was the one that was, because I mean, you can't launch a series with a mini series before it and just assume that everyone who's reading the new number one read the mini series. So they wanted to kind of catch you up. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, really, like you can, I, I would probably recommend Secret Origin first. I would recommend the the first trade. No fear, second, and then I would recommend Rebirth. And I would recommend Green Lantern Core Recharge before all of that. Not really. Buy it anyway. Come on, do it. We Darth Darth Knight did it. Yes, yes he did. Oh boy. Okay. Oh my God, this episode is running way too long. That's all right. I'll edit it. It'll be magical. Um. All right. We want to promote some shit. Let's see. Um. All right. Before we get shameless. Let's talk briefly about The Uniques. The Uniques is an indie comic that is done by a husband and wife cartooning team, Adam Withers and Comfort Love. If you're on the comicforums.com, they have a joint account as Adam and Comfort. Um, the reason this pertains to Green Lantern is that Adam is, like all of you listening, a big, big Green Lantern fan. I met him at the Super Show in September, and we had a multi-hour conversation about Kyle Rayner and the core. I've since gone on to read some of the uniques, and this is the kind of indie book that you want to see succeed. And they have recently started offering issue one free, a free download on their website, which is... Uniquescomic.com U-N-I-Q-U-E-S C-O-M-I-C.com. And there's some W's in there <laughs> at the beginning or something. Just yes. go there to their main page. You'll see like a little blue area that guides you to get issue one for free. And once you whet your appetite with that, you can go on to download every subsequent issue for 99 cents. Or you can pay $5 and have a printed issue mailed to your house from IndiePlanet.com. I think they're up to issues... I think there's five issues so far. Uh, let's see. Five. Yes, they're almost done with issue six. Um, I just want to make two comments. Um, one, the art in these books is absolutely amazing. It's stunning artwork. It's absolutely worth at least just checking out for the first issue, which is free to download. And the other thing I wanted to mention was that Comfort Love has the greatest name in the world ever. You just like it because it's like two parts of the emotional spectrum put together. Yes, I do. But this, I mean, this comic is just really impressive because of the, even if only because of the the collaborative process, because it's not like one of them writes it and one of them draws it. They both work on the story and they both do the art. So it's like, you can't really separate where one of their work ends and the other begins you know if you're gonna you might be put off by you know i don't want to read comics on a screen and honestly i agree with you i don't like reading comics digitally either 
but just as like a for preview purposes just to try it before you buy it you know it's really it's not bad at all and it's honestly it's motivated me to follow the series so once again that's uniquescomic.com u-n-i-q-u-e-s-c-o-m-i-c.com if you like what you read you can contact them through their site or through the comicforums.com and just tell them what you think okay you got you got anything else to uh plug there dan i well i have another show jim i'm sorry you had to find out this way yes yes called not quite radio it is me and two of my friends from home here and we just we just get together we do like a very general kind of unfocused stream of consciousness show where we talk about comics movies tv video games whatever what we like and what we hate about it and there's absolutely no preparation involved it's we we put out like two episodes a month just cuz <laughs> and and we have a uh we have an animatronic gopher that sings yeah it sings okay come for the gopher stay for more of the gopher are you guys listed on itunes just search not quite radio we are on itunes you can go to not quite radio dot libsyn dot com l-i-b-s-y-n and there should be three episodes up as you hear this um and let's see i'm going to promote uh one of my Cal- web cowman no no not cowman everybody go to cowman.com i don't even know it's a website actually it's cow man.com but that's not what i'm promoting here what i want to promote is uh my other comic fun with four dimensions you just go to fw the number 4d.com fw4d.com and it's a humor strip that updates like three times a week when I'm able to update three times a week. Yeah, the update schedule has been kind of sketchy lately with the car accident and getting engaged and holidays and junk like that. But I should be getting on track pretty soon. And uh, yeah, check it out. FW4D.com. Go read Fun with 4D. Go listen to Not Quite Radio. Go throw some support behind a fellow Green Lantern fan and check out the Uniques. And listen to Lantern Cast while you're at it. You know, if you have time. Okay. So, now to wrap up the episode. Um, if you want to go to our website, it's lanterncast.com. You can uh, find us on thecomicforums.com. Scroll down the list to Lantern Cast. We're there. I go by Gland. Jim is Choanada for some reason. And, and you know, talk to us. Talk to other listeners. Talk to people who don't listen but like Green Lantern anyway. And, uh, yeah. We are also on iTunes, probably. Hopefully we will be back up on iTunes shortly. But even if we're not, you can listen to our episodes, new and old, at lanterncast.com. There's also a link to the forum there in case you don't want to type in the comicforums.com. And we also have an email address. Uh, yeah, lanterncast at gmail.com. Yes, so send us an email and we will read it on the Although, podcast. if you are a famous author, that bumps up your chances. This is true. Thank you, Stephen yes. King. We could love you, you. Stephen King, could you write a novel about, like, a really evil cat that's in space? Or write a novel about 
two guys that do a podcast dedicated to Green Lantern. I barely want to listen to that. Why would I read about it? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you have a good point. Okie doke. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Landon Cast. Thank you for listening. Bye.